All right, good afternoon. I uh, want to welcome you to another edition of the Trumpet Series Bible Study uh, broadcast. This is uh, your host, Brother Nick Bailey, coming to you live uh, Friday, October the 22nd, 2021. Uh, thank goodness it's Friday. Hallelujah. Uh, somebody say amen right there. This is my daughter, my 13-year-old daughter's uh, 13th birthday, so uh, uh, happy birthday to Caroline, and um, amen, I'm just so thankful uh, for her, and we'll say more about that here in a moment, but as we always do, we do want to begin the broadcast today with a song. Squire Parsons, one of the great um, songwriters and vocalists. So I hope it's a blessing to you. I, I wasn't there when Jesus died. I wasn't there to see him rise, but I was there when he saved my soul within my heart, the Lamb arose. I know what he did for me today. And if you're saved, you know what he's done for you. Thank you. 
Salvation through the blood of Christ is the greatest of all miracles. Amen. And if you're saved today, you know what Jesus has done for you. Amen. Thank God for that. Uh, appreciate you uh, tuning in. I've got to make sure I get my phone. I turned down here. I've had, I was distracted playing the song today because I had multiple phone calls. Isn't that the way it goes? The devil, he just uh, wants to do everything he can to disrupt the work of God. But greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. So uh, again, uh, praise God. Amen. I appreciate you tuning in today. Again, another edition of the... Um, Trumpet Series broadcast. As I mentioned, today is my daughter Caroline's 13th birthday, and I love Caroline so much. Some people tell me that uh, she is a spitting image of her daddy. And if so, I like, all I know to say is uh, she's blessed. Amen. No, I'm just kidding. Bless her heart would be the more appropriate response to that. But uh, I'll never forget when Caroline was born, Holly and I had made it a, a running joke that if, because um, Holly's dad that passed away um, uh, early this year, he had red hair, and uh, Holly and I just made it a joke between ourselves before Caroline was born that if she came, uh, if she was born with red hair, then we were going to send her back, praise God. Well, lo and behold, she came out of the womb with red hair. And, of course, Holly, she was still heavily medicated uh, from the cesarean she had so uh, she started crying and I said Holly I said what in the world's wrong and she was blubbering and, and just crying and she said you said you didn't want a red-headed baby I just started laughing and said don't worry hun I think she's a keeper amen so thank thank the Lord for our daughters and again Caroline is 13 today uh I've been pastoring here at the church for 15 years come January, and uh, she uh, was born um, roughly two years into my ministry here at the church. All right, I do want to mention uh, before we get into today's Bible study uh, that um, these broadcasts, the Trumpet Series broadcasts, are not now being made available to you in audio format. For those of you who don't have time to watch but could listen to them while you go about your daily activities, they can be ac accessed in audio podcast format currently uh, both through the Anchor and Spotify podcast apps uh, 
as well as by way of Google Podcasts. So if you'd like to listen to the Trumpet Series broadcast in audio format, you just either go to the Anchor, Spotify, or Google Podcast apps and type in the link that I'm getting ready to provide you, and it will send you directly to the Trumpet Series section on those apps where you can listen to any of our programs shortly after each day's broadcast. So write the following link down, uh, and this will send you directly uh, to the Trumpet Series uh, section. Uh, Again, that's either on Anchor, Spotify, or Google Podcast app. Uh, Now, again, the link is HTTPS, HTTPS, colon, backslash, backslash, anchor.fm, backslash s backslash seven zero five zero nine seven four eight backslash podcast backslash rss let me give you that one more time the link uh, is h t t p s colon backslash backslash anchor dot fm backslash s backslash 7050974 backslash podcast backslash RSS. And again, you just type that link uh, in either on Anchor, Spotify, or the Google podcast app, and it'll take you right and directly to the Trumpet Series section of their app, and you can uh, listen. Uh, again, you can listen on... Uh, mp3 format to the trumpet series programs so again just another way for you to access the trumpet series bible study broadcast we're doing our best to make uh these programs as accessible to you as possible all right before we go any further we need to pray i want you to continue to remember baby wyatt holt remember baby wyatt holt also remember cheryl griggs in prayer as she's recovering from surgery she had yesterday remember d dunbar who uh, is still hospitalized. I'll be seeing her uh, here in just a little while, Lord willing. And then pray for a dear friend of mine, a a guy I grew up with by the name of Mike Muncy, who was uh, riding a bicycle. He got hit by an automobile, and he has internal bleeding. He is uh, hospitalized as well. So remember Mike Muncy in prayer. Um, All right, so um, let's, let's, let's pray. Amen. Uh, Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you so much, God, uh, for your goodness. Thank you for the opportunity we have to come to you uh, every day, Monday through Friday, here on the Trumpet Series. Lord, I pray that today's program would be a help and a blessing to all who watch it or listen to it. Father, I pray that you would just uh, uh, season it with your favor. Uh, God, as it goes out uh, uh, over the airwaves, uh, those who are viewing and listening to it, God, I pray that you would bless, uh, put a hedge of protection about it, that you would keep the door open uh, so that the broadcast might continue to go forth from one day to another. God, I pray you'd use this program to be a blessing uh, to the listeners and the viewers. Lord, I pray that uh, uh, the program might bring honor and glory to thy name as we do our best to extol and magnify the name of Jesus. God, honor your word today. Exalt your son through your humbled servant. I pray that your word... uh, uh, might go forth, Lord, today, not uh, as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal, but through the power of God. 
Lord, I pray today, God, that your word would uh, be a lamp in our feet, a light in our path. We'd hide your word in our hearts that we might not sin against you. Uh, God, I pray that your word would, um, uh, Lord, uh, fall on good ground today and bear fruit in our lives. Help us to be uh, faithful doers of the work and not forgetful hearers only. We'll praise you for what you're going to do. Save that one that's lost today. Encourage your saints. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, yesterday we actually made a little progress in our study. Uh, we were able to cover out right out five verses in one day of study, and that in itself is a miracle. Uh, you know, it's it's been normal for us if we're fortunate just to get through a verse or two in an individual episode. But yesterday we spent our time looking at a comparison and contrast that Paul gives between those who will be rewarded in heaven for the life they've lived on earth versus those who will be rewarded in hell for their unjust and unrighteous deeds they've committed here in this life. Friend, one way or another, you will be rewarded. You're going to receive an inheritance in eternity, whether it be uh, as you bask in the glory of heaven or if you lift your eyes in the flames and fires of hell. You better make sure you're sowing the right seed in this life so that you'll reap the right kind of fruit uh, and uh, receive the right kind of reward uh, in the right kind of place in the life hereafter. Amen. You'll either be rewarded in heaven or you will be recompensed and rewarded and repaid for the life you've lived in uh, hell. So we concluded yesterday's study by examining verse number 11 uh, of our text where the Bible says that God is no respecter of persons. Aren't you thankful for that truth? And Paul's going to continue to develop that thought uh, today in verses 12 through 16. But I'm thankful this afternoon that we serve a God that is not biased. He does not show favoritism. He is not an elitist. He's not prejudiced. And he does not discriminate in his actions and attitude towards his creatures. Amen. God's not a God of discrimination aside from what the, uh, the liberals and the leftists of our day that would bl try to blame Christianity, would try to blame God and the Bible for uh, racism and discrimination that occurs in our day. It's not God's fault, it's man's fault. It's because of man's depravity and fallen nature. You know, uh, that's why the man-made doctrine of Calvinism is so wrong, and it's, so, it's simply contrary to the Word of God. If God were a Calvinist, the Lord would be guilty of showing respect to persons, of which the Bible clearly says He does not do. God cannot be a Calvinist. He cannot choose others. At the, or, excuse me. He cannot choose some uh, at the expense of others. Uh, because in doing so, he would be showing favoritism and elitism. Uh, he would be a God who shows respect of persons. And he does not do that. And we'll show today how that uh, for him to do that would be sinful. All right. Let's continue to move right on through our study of chapter number 2 today. We'll do our best to consider uh, a couple more standards by which we human beings will be judged when we stand before God one day. We've already revealed how that on judgment day we will be uh, judged uh, and measured according to the truth of the word of God as well as according to the goodness and blessings 
God has so freely bestowed upon our lives. But as we move on down into verse 12, and as we continue through the remainder of the chapter, really, we, we will find that there's an emphasis placed by the Apostle Paul on the fact that we sinners will one day be judged by God on whether or not we have been able to keep the law as it is revealed to us by the Word of God. Now before we go any further and before anybody panics, may I say to you that as saved, born-again Christians, our judgment will be determined not by our own ability to keep the law, uh, because, but you and I, even as saved Christians, we do not have the ability within ourselves to keep or obey the law in a literal sense. According to the scripture, scriptures, if we are guilty of offending or breaking the law of God in any one point, we are guilty of breaking and offending the entire law of God. James 2, uh, verses 9 through 11, the Bible says, But if you have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend at one point, he is guilty of all. For he that said, Do not commit adultery, said also, Do not kill. Now if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. And by the way, isn't it interesting here that James reveals having respect of persons as being an act of sin. In other words, we might say that being a Calvinist or an elitist uh, be prejudiced and biased in our actions or attitudes others is sinful because you can't be a Calvinist or an elitist without having a, uh, showing favor and without having uh, respect of persons. But according to the Word of God, if we are guilty of offending or breaking the law in any one or single point, we are in essence guilty of breaking and offending the entire law. Matthew 5, 27 through 28, Jesus uh, elaborated on this truth when he said, Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time that thou shalt not commit adultery, but I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. So here Jesus reveals how that we can be guilty of breaking the law not only by way of our outward actions, but also by having inward attitudes that are contrary to the law of God. You don't have to uh, just uh, actually commit the act of adultery um, to be guilty of breaking the law and the command in the scriptures regarding the sin of adultery. But according to the word of God, if you... Uh, uh, are guilty of lusting after and looking uh, upon another woman in a sexual manner, you are already guilty in your uh, of a, of, a, of an adult of committing uh, an adulterous attitude of having an adulterous attitude in your heart before you actually commit an adulterous act with another person. Amen. So we know that Paul, what Paul is really doing here, he's setting his readers and his audience up because as we move into chapter 3, Paul is going to establish the real purpose for his writing altogether, which is that the law was really not even uh, given. Uh, it was not given uh, to make us righteous because it could never 
the law in itself could never take away sins, and we'll study that further on in the book of Romans. But uh, again, uh, God knew that no man with a depraved or fallen nature is capable of keeping the law in every way and in every point to the dotting of the I or the crossing of the T. But the purpose of the law, by the way, that's why Jesus was able to keep the law. Amen. He did not offend the law. He did not break the law. Why? Because he was born uh, with a sinless nature. Jesus was impeccable. He did not even have the ability or the capability to commit sin. Uh, why? Because he was not born with a sinful nature. Why? Because he was born of a virgin. That's why the doctrine of the virgin birth is so important. Because, uh, amen, the fact that Jesus was virgin born, uh, amen, that spiritual gene of sin that's passed down from Adam uh, through the Father to every human being that's born and enters into this world, it skipped uh, the line of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus was not born of man. He was born of a virgin. Amen. And in essence, Jesus uh, was born without uh, the depravity uh, of uh, a of fallen man. That being said, he was condemned. He was exposed to the curse of sin. Even though he did not sin and he, he knew no sin, yet Jesus lived as if he were a sinner. Amen. He was condemned not for his own sins because he did no sin, but he was convicted uh, for our sins. He was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities. Amen. The real purpose intent and intent for the law, I say all that to say this, the real purpose for the law is to expose man's guilt and to reveal man for who he is a worthless, undeserving sinner who is in desperate need of salvation uh, by way of an external and outside source. So what Paul is doing in the next few verses of Romans chapter number 2, he is showing how that on judgment day, not only will the standard of God's truth and His goodness be used to determine man's standing in faith before a holy God, again, the first uh, standard God will use to measure our lives by is the truth of God. The second standard, we showed it earlier this week, is the goodness and the blessings of God. Amen. And those things right there uh, all terrify them, terrify us, but also God will use the law to measure and evaluate the condition of man's life. And in reality, that in itself ought to terrify every one of us sinners knowing that the law of God is one standard that none of us are able to live up to. Friend, you couldn't live up to the law if you tried. Amen. You'd break the law if not by what you said or by what you did. We'll show it before today's study is over. Uh, you'd break the law and you'd offend the law simply because of the thoughts that you allow to enter into your mind. Amen. But we who are saved, we don't have to worry about uh, and fret over the fact that we're unable to keep the law or to live up to the standard of the law that God has set for us to live by and requires us to live by. Why? Because Christ has already met the standard. He kept the law and He met the requirements of the law in an absolutely imperfect form. And the reason He did that is because He knew no sin. He did not possess Christ, did not possess a fallen nature that you and I, because again, Jesus was born of a virgin. virgin. Uh, and because Christ kept the law in a perfect and 100% way, 
When God sees we sinners who are saved and in Christ, He sees us as if we've done what we in ourselves and on our own are unable to do through Jesus, the one who was able uh, and willing to do what uh, do it for us. In other words, we sinners could not keep the law. Amen. We are guilty of breaking and offending the law, but Jesus uh, kept the law for us so that we who are saved are not judged by the law, but we're judged according to the amazing mercy and grace uh, bestowed upon us by our Savior. Friend, aren't you glad today that Christ kept the law for you so you could be declared innocent righteous and just before a holy God. If we could ever get a hold of just exactly what that means, for we who are saved, it would change and literally transform our lives forevermore. Amen. I couldn't keep the law. Amen. I couldn't obey the law uh, to the letter, to the dotting of the I and the crossing of the T. But because of His great love, whereby He loved me with, Jesus was able to do for me what I could not do. Jesus was the perfect keeper of the law. Now there's an alliteration, verse number 12. For as many as had sinned without the law shall also perish without the law. Here Paul is building on the statement he made in verse number 11 when he said that God was no respecter of persons. And the first way he demonstrates that truth is by showing how that God will hold the heathen and the Gentiles accountable for their guilt, their guilt uh, even though they did not have the law to reveal it or show it to them. Now, this brings us to a rather controversial subject in and amongst God's people. And that is, will sinners who've never heard a clear-cut presentation of the gospel still go to hell in spite of their ignorance and illiteracy towards the gospel. And for many, they just can't stomach the thought of God letting sinners go to hell who've never had a chance to hear or respond to the gospel because to them, friend, that would be unfair. But friend, may I say to you today that for you to, to accuse God of being unjust and unfair in His dealings with His creation simply because... He lets somebody go to hell but even though they've never heard the gospel is for you to overestimate the worth and value of, uh, of your life as a human being and to underestimate and to undervalue the glory and the greatness of a holy God. Biblically speaking, sinners who haven't been as fortunate or privileged to hear the gospel like you and I have, they are just as lost they are just as guilty and they will spend eternity in hell just like a person who's heard the truth a hundred times and still reject it. Now, I do think we could make the statement that the degree of punishment and the level of suffering for those who've never heard uh, or received the truth will be less than those who've heard and rejected it over and over again. Why? Because I believe the Bible gives evidence to the fact that there will be degrees of punishment and different levels of suffering in the, within the confines of that awful place called hell. We don't have to, time to get into that today, but we maybe we'll address it uh, on another broadcast. But bottom line, even if a person never gets an opportunity to hear or receive a clear-cut presentation of the gospel message, does not in itself relieve or absolve them from the guilt of his or her sins. Regardless of whether or not a person ever gets a chance 
to hear a clear-cut gospel message, he or she stands guilty uh, before God. I want to remind you, friend, that before you ever committed uh, the first uh, individual act of sin in your life, you were already condemned and had been declared guilty before God. Friend, uh, first of all, you're sinner by birth. Uh, the psalmist said that he was conceived uh, uh, in sin from the time that he was in his mother's womb. You are a sinner by birth. You are a sinner by nature because that sinful nature, uh, amen, was passed down, uh, amen, through the, the genes, the spiritual genetics of your father, amen. Uh, you were born a sinner by birth, but also you were uh, a, uh, naturally a sinner uh, by nature, uh, amen. Before you ever committed the first act of sin, you were already declared a sinner in the eyes of God. Did you know that every little child, uh, amen, that's birthed, into this world is already a condemned sinner. Now, I don't believe they'll be uh, sent to hell for their sin uh, until they reach an age of accountability to where they have the choice to make free moral choices on their own and by themselves. Amen. A sinner by birth, a sinner by nature, and finally and lastly, a sinner by choice. But listen, friend, regardless of whether or not a person has ever had a chance or an opportunity to hear or receive the gospel, that does not change the fact that in the eyes of a holy and righteous God, they are already uh, condemned and declared guilty by God for their sins. That's why the ministry of foreign missions is so important, and that's what makes missions, the ministry of missions, such an urgent and desperate manner, and that's what raises it up, elevates it, and sets it on a higher plane and a higher level and standard than any other work of ministry we could ever involve ourselves in. Why? Because without missions and apart from uh, uh, missionaries taking the gospel and sharing it with the heathen who are lost around the world. Uh, amen. Uh, millions of lost souls will die and spend an eternity in hell because unless those who are so blessed and privileged to live in America, apart from missionaries who love and care enough about their souls to go and tell them those illiterate and uneducated heathen will die lost and spend eternity burning in the flames and fires of a devil's hell, uh, not ever having an opportunity to hear, let alone receive the gospel, as so many of us have, have who live here in America. Why even send missionaries to foreign fields uh, amen, to the heathen who are born in remote areas that have never had an opportunity or a chance to hear the gospel. Why would we even send those missionaries if those who have never heard and have never had an opportunity or a chance to receive the gospel, if they're okay, uh, amen, if they're all right, or if God is somehow going to excuse them because of their uh, ignorance and illiteracy. No, my friend, even though they have not heard and even though they have not uh, been exposed to a clear-cut gospel message, the heathen uh, who, are, who are born and live in remote areas around the world, they are condemned by God, they are guilty before God, and they are without excuse for their sin in spite of their ignorance towards the gospel. Amen. Uh, can I say that's another reason why uh, America is an exceptional place aside 
from and in spite of what the liberals and the leftists of our day would tell us, amen, that America, uh, amen, is inherently bad or inherently evil. No, my friend, America is exceptional. And that's another reason why we should thank the, the God of heaven uh, you were so uh, that, that we are so blessed and privileged to be born in a nation uh, such as this. I believe in American exceptionalism and American nationalism, amen, that America stands out over and above all lands, amen, because God has granted us with, a, uh, with an, uh, an exceptional and an unusual portion of His grace and favor, amen. Living in America greatly increases the chance and the likelihood that you hear the gospel and have an opportunity to be saved than you would otherwise if you were born in some heathen, unreached, remote jungle area somewhere on the other side of the world. Romans 10, 12 through 15, Paul wrote this, For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon Him, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call in Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Amen. Missionaries are important. Because without missions, without the ministry of foreign missions, amen, the heathen who are lost, who are guilty before God, who are without excuse, even though they've never had an opportunity and a chance uh, to receive uh, the gospel message and to, to make uh, a moral decision on their own and by themselves on how they would respond to the gospel, they will die lost and condemned in their sins because in the sight of a holy God, they are guilty before Him. Now there's a distinction, verse number 12. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. Here Paul continues to drive home the thought that God is no respecter of persons by showing how that even though the heathen who have sinned without the law will still perish in, uh, in spite of the ignorance and unawareness of their condition. These Jews who were so blessed and privileged to possess the law, to receive it and be made aware of their sins uh, uh, because of it, they will also die and go to hell even though uh, in spite of what they know and have been made aware of. This brings me to an important uh, point in our study. That being, and if you don't, don't get anything else from today's Trumpet Series Bible Study broadcast, hear this. A possession of truth does not increase or improve one's position or standing with God at all or one bit. But it's only through and by way of the appropriation of truth that man's position and standing before God uh, will be helped or benefit uh, to him. In fact, without the appropriation of truth, man's possession of truth will only hurt his position before a, a holy God and will cause that position to deteriorate. In order for the truth of God's Word to help and benefit your life at all, not only must you possess the truth, but you must also be willing to apply and appropriate uh, the truth 
that truth to your own personal and individual life. But again, even though the Jews took pride in the fact that God had made them possessors of the law of God, they were just as guilty of the heathen, heathen Gentiles who had not received that and who did not have possession of the law of God. It's not about possession of the truth, my friend, that's going to help your life, but it's whether or not you choose to apply and appropriate uh, that truth to your life. Now there's a demonstration uh, following right along and following right up on that point, verse 13, for not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. Here, Paul continues to emphasize and further develop the point that he made in verse 12 by saying, it's not about what you hear, what you know or possess, but it's about what you do uh, with that which you do know here and are so privileged and blessed to receive from God. Going back to the possession versus the appropriation of truth in our lives as human beings. Friend, we ought never be guilty of taking pride in what we know, what we've been told, or what's been revealed to us by in and through God's holy word. Uh, friend, and aren't a lot of us guilty of that, uh, allowing our knowledge of truth and our understanding of truth uh, and uh, our hearing of truth, uh, are we not guilty of, uh, of allowing our knowledge and our understanding uh, and our realization of truth to uh, develop an attitude of pride and arrogance in our life as if we're uh, something special uh, because of what we know, what we uh, understand, and what we have received at the hand of somebody else. Friend, uh, amen, what you know, uh, what you understand, and what you've been so blessed to receive as it relates to the truth of God's Word, uh, that's not going to get you any brownie points or any bonus points whatsoever in the sight of a holy God. It's not, uh, listen, and we don't have any reason to boast or brag uh, about ourselves anyway, but if we're going to boast or brag about anything, it ought not be about what we know, uh, amen, but it, it ought to be what we do with what we know. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Uh, if anything, our knowledge and our learning and our understanding of truth ought to generate an attitude of humility rather than an attitude of pride in our hearts and lives as God's people. Why? Because the more truth you know and the more knowledge you receive from God uh, and the more uh, understanding you're made aware of as the Holy Spirit enlightens uh, your eyes and illuminates your minds to the truth of Scripture, the higher standard and the greater level of accountability uh, will be held to by the God of heaven. Just like the goodness and blessing principle we studied earlier on this week, which showed us how that the more we have and possess as human beings, the higher standard and the greater level our lives will be measured by and judged according to when we stand before the Lord one day. But here we see how that not only will we be judged by what we have and possess uh, as human beings, but also by what we know and according to what we have, what to that which has been revealed to us by the Holy God of Heaven. Amen. Verse number thirteen. Paul is showing us how that it's not the hearers, the receivers, 
or the possessors of God's law that will be justified by the Lord, but it's those who will be found doers of the law that will be found just in His eyes and in His sight. But let me go back to this thought just a moment. Amen. How that the greater level of learning, the, 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 great, the higher level of, um, of knowing, receiving, and understanding of truth that's been made available to us uh, as human beings by the God of heaven, that will enhance and increase the level of accountability and the higher standard we uh, who have learned, we who have known, and we who have been made to understand will be held accountable to by the God of heaven. That ought to, that ought to, to humble you. That ought to, to cause a sense of, gr of fear to grip your heart and to come over your soul knowing that you will, you will be held uh, accountable uh, to a higher standard in your life as a human being because of the truth that you know, because of the truth that you have received, and because and according to the truth uh, that's been revealed to you as a human being. James 1, 23 through 25, For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man, beholding his natural face in a glass, for he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. By the way, when God reveals truth to me, when I look in the mirror of God's word and see myself as I am, I don't want to go my way, but I want to go his way. Amen. I don't want to do uh, what I want to do because of what I've seen and what I've been shown and what's been revealed to me through the mirror and the glass of the scripture. But I want to, I want to go the way of God. And I want to live my life and conform my life and to allow my life to be transformed in the image and the likeness of God's Son as it's been revealed to me by the Scriptures. Amen. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Friend, every day of your life you ought to pray, Lord, help me not to be a forgetful doer of your word only, but help me to be a faithful doer of your work also. Amen. A lot of times we overemphasize what we know, what we hear, what we understand, and what we're, 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 what's been made aware uh, of us uh, by the Scriptures. And we take pride and we become arrogant as a result of our knowledge. But friend, we need to... Uh, concentrate more and we might need to focus more and we need to uh, uh, emphasize more not just what we know but what we do with what we know hallelujah the longer I live and the older I get the more I realize how important of a role obedience plays in our spiritual maturity as Christians amen listen church the observation of the word is not nearly as important as the obedience to the word is. Again, not just about our observation, but about our obedience, which brings us to the, the, uh, what I have identified to be the observation in verse number 14. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves. Here Paul makes a mysterious statement that I'm honestly not sure that I uh, totally understand or grasp. You say, Brother Nick, you mean you don't understand and, and you're somewhat confused uh, regarding something that the Bible says, uh, why, yes, I am, and I just happen to be a preacher. 
Can I just say to you today that we preachers don't have it all figured out yet. We don't have all the answers. There's some things in the Word of God that I don't know and I don't understand. And I can't uh, comprehend through the finite and limited abilities of my own uh, knowledge and understanding. But even though I don't understand it, even though I may not have it all figured out and may not be able to comprehend uh, and reason out all uh, of the, uh, uh, the deep and mysterious ways of the Scriptures, I'm still, be, be, I'm still willing to believe it. And I hope that I'm willing to obey it uh, even though I may not understand everything that the Bible says. Why? Because His ways are higher than our ways. And His thoughts are greater than our, th our thoughts. And friend, if you base your willingness to obey, uh, amen, and believe the Word of God on your ability to understand God's truth, you're not going to make it very far uh, as it relates to your faith. Amen. Faith is a willingness to believe and obey God even when we don't understand Him. Uh, and faith is a willingness to obey God even when God doesn't make sense. Just because God doesn't make sense to you doesn't mean God's not right. Amen. God's right regardless of our ability to understand God. Hey, the Lord's not obligated to explain Himself to you. Amen. He's not obliged. And He knows that it's not always best for, for us to understand everything there is to, to, about Him to know everything that has to do and relates to His nature and the workings and the ways uh, of a high and holy God. Amen. But listen, the Gentiles, heathen, who are not as blessed to have or possess the law of God as the Jews who have received God's law actually have a form of God's law. And again, I don't understand all this. I can't compre comprehend this within the finite abilities of my own mind. But the Gentiles, have, even though they have not received the law, they have a form of God's law in their own lives by way of their own acts of obedience or disobedience. In other words, it's almost as if they have access to a form or a kind of God's law as they witness either their own actions or behavior or the actions and behavior of their fellow men, whether they be good or bad. And although I'm not sure I fully grasp or understand what Paul means by this statement, I do believe part of it has to do with the statement that he makes in the very next verse that we will refer to as a conviction. Verse number 15, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing them witness. Here, Paul reveals a type or a form of conviction that exists within the heart of man, apart from either the Word of God and the Spirit of God, that serves as a measure, a ruler, or a thermometer to help him gauge and tell the difference between what is right and wrong. Now, for we who are saved, we have the comforter, along with our own conscience that amplifies and enhances this ability uh, of reasoning and discernment of truth in our own lives. But for the heathen Gentiles who've never heard and do not know truth because they've never possessed or received the law of God, what they do have is a built-in voice by way of an inner conscience that naturally helps them to be able to discern, determine, and uh, make a distinction between what is right versus what is wrong. And the word conscience uh, is, a, is a combination of two words, con and science, and it simply means with knowledge. 
Now, biblically speaking, our consciences, and I don't have time to give you the references on this, but our consciences, uh, according to the Bible, can either be good, defiled, evil, or seared. You look up the word conscience in the Scripture, and you'll find that we can either have a good conscience, we can have a defiled conscience, we can have an evil conscience, or we can possess uh, seared consciences. And personally, I think the condition of our consciences has a lot to do with the out-of-control spiral and the downward progression towards moral depravity and utter degeneration and reprobation that exists within the confines of man's heart. In other words, the more man's senses uh, become darkened, defiled, and deadened towards truth, the more also his, the, his conscience or his inner voice that serves as a moral compass, uh, a guide, and a rudder to help him distinguish between right and wrong, it becomes compromised as well. Amen. And again, what starts out as being a good conscience turns into a defiled conscience, then it becomes an evil conscience, and it finally ends up being a seared conscience that is totally incapable and absolutely unable to tell the difference between what is right and what is wrong. Uh, amen. And the book of James speaks to this. The Bible says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. A doctrine of devils is the same thing as a foolish fancy or a vain imagination that man has concocted in his own mind, amen, to devalue the glory of God and to elevate man's image uh, into one that's likened to the image of God. Speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. I'm afraid we've got a lot of consciences today that have been seared by the hot irons of all these devil doctrines that are so prevalent in society today. And friend, once your conscience has been seared by the hot iron of one of these devil doctrines, uh, amen, vain imaginations and foolish fantasies that have been concocted, amen, by the witchcraft, uh, and, uh, amen, and the, uh, and the devil worship of humanism, uh, amen, and evolutionism, and, and all of these other things that have, that have philosophies and ideas that have followed, uh, followed up these devil doctrines, amen. Listen, the only option left when your conscience has been seared by the hot iron of one of these devil doctrines, amen, is for you to be abandoned by God, to be turned over, to be given up, and left over, uh, left alone to a reprobate mind. Now there's an accusation, verse 15, and their faults the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. Here we find how that not only do the words, deeds, and actions of the Gentiles serve as a form and a kind of law to guide them into and to reveal truth to them, but also the very thoughts of their minds when combined with their conscience serves as another form of moral uh, notability, showing them uh, uh, even without the law that they are guilty and without excuse. I don't know about anybody else, but I'd be the first to admit that so many times the thoughts of my own mind are all the evidence that I need to know that as unworthy, undeserving, no good, filthy, rotten sinner that I am, uh, without excuse, I am without excuse, and that I am in effect guilty uh, before God. Friend, 
I don't want you to know everything I think. Uh, there, if there's one thing that I want to keep uh, behind the door, uh, one skeleton uh, in my closet uh, that I don't want anybody to know about or be aware of, it is the thoughts and the meditations of my, ha my heart. Amen. But listen, friend, on Judgment Day, when you stand before a holy God, especially apart from and outside the blood of Jesus, you will be judged not just for the things you do and the things you say as a sinner, but you'll also be judged for the very thoughts of your mind as well as the very intense motives and feelings of your heart as well. And I don't know about anybody else, but God knows that I don't want Him to judge me for the very things I've thought about and meditated on over the course of my life as a human being. Because I've thought, and, and maybe nobody else but uh, Brother Nick can say this today, but I've thought about some pretty filthy, dirty, rotten things over the course of my lifetime here on earth, not only as a lost man, but as a saved, born-again Christian. And friend, what I say to you today, that apart from Jesus, His shed blood, and His perfect righteousness that's been imputed to my heart uh, on the day I got saved, amen, apart from the blood and the righteousness of Jesus, amen, I'd split hell wide open if for no other reason because of the thoughts and the meditations of my mind. Amen. Boy, it just puts another uh, highlight on the fact that when we stand uh, before God one day at the judgment seat of Christ, we won't have anything in our own or by ourselves to boast or brag about. Amen. As dirty, rotten, filthy, no good, depraved sinners that we are. In my hand, no price I bring, but simply to the cross I cling. Hebrews 4.12, the Bible says that the Word of God is a discerner of the very thoughts and intents of a man's heart. In 1 Corinthians 4.5, Paul wrote, Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart, and then shall every man have praise of God. Boy, I'm looking forward to the Lord coming. Amen. But when God comes back, He's going to bring to light the hidden things of darkness, and He's going to reveal the counsels of the heart. Amen. And may, then every man's going to have praise before God. Psalm 139, verse 2, Thou knowest that my downsittings and mine uprisings, but listen to this, Thou understandest my thoughts even from afar off. Uh, Jeremiah eleven twenty. But O Lord of hosts that judgest righteously, that triest the reins and the heart, friend, if you're not saved, the Lord's going to try, uh, reveal and expose your very thoughts when you stand before Him on judgment day. You think about that, standing at the great white throne judgment with nobody, not even Jesus Himself, uh, to stand with you as an advocate as an intercessor, as a mediator. But friend, on that day, you're going to stand on your own and by yourself. Amen. And God's going to show you and He's going to uh, reveal and He's going to expose you for who you are, not just by what you did and not just by what you said, but also by what you thought in your mind. Boy, that ought to make a believer and a convert out of every sinner. Amen. And every person who falls in under old-fashioned Holy Ghost conviction. They ought to get born again. They ought to receive Jesus if for no other reason because they don't want to have a gift to stand and give an account before God on the day of judgment regarding uh, the thoughts of their mind. Now there's a determination. 
In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men. I want to remind you this, this afternoon, friend, you won't be able to hide anything from God on the day of judgment. There'll be no secrets. Amen. There'll be no, nothing left up under the rug. There'll be no skeletons uh, left under the, 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 uh, in the closet of your mind. God's going to reveal it all. He's going to expose all the secrets of your man. And you will be judged accordingly, accurately, and rightly uh, according to every thought you've, uh, you've thunk in your mind. Every word that's been uttered out of your mouth and every action that's been committed by your hands. There's an intercession by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. God's not going to judge the saved. Hallelujah. This is something you ought to praise Jesus for. God's not going to judge the saved according to their own thoughts, but according to the thoughts of the Savior who bled and died for them and on their behalf. Amen. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful. Although I've had plenty of bad thoughts in my life, I'm thankful that Jesus never thought one bad thing towards me. Amen. Isn't that something else? He had every right and every reason to think something bad about those who wrongfully accused Him, those who betrayed Him, those who abandoned Him, those who persecuted Him, those who spat upon Him, those who beat His broken body. Amen. Those uh, amen, who ravaged His flesh with that uh, a cat of nine tails. Amen. Uh, those who crucified and nailed Amen. His hands and feet to the old rugged cross. Amen. Those who drove that spear through his side. Jesus had every right and every reason to have bad thoughts in his mind to, towards these evil uh, accusers and evil condemners. But friend, not, not, not only did he uh, utter not a word out of his mouth that was sinful towards his accusers or condemners, but he didn't even think a bad thought. What a holy and a righteous Savior we serve. He is. What a mighty God we serve that never even thought one bad thing towards His creatures. Amen. And that's what saved your bacon. Because if Jesus would have even thought one sinful thing uh, towards His accusers, if He had even thought uh, wrongly towards those who accused or condemned Him, you and I would go to hell and there would be no chance for our redemption or salvation. The only thing that's going to keep you and I who are saved from being condemned at the judgment for merely our faults, let alone our wrong attitudes or actions, the things we've done and the things we've committed in this life is the fact that our judgment as Christians won't be based on our thoughts, but they'll be, it'll be based on His thoughts. Hallelujah, glory name. Somebody, that ought to make a Baptist shout right there. Amen. Friends, did you know that God's got more than enough and He's got plenty uh, of ample uh, evidence stacked against your life to send your soul and to throw your no good, lame, and lousy carcass into the flames and fires uh, of hell if for no other reason than simply because of the thoughts you've let and allowed to enter into your mind over the course of your life, friend. I'm telling you today, don't you think that when you uh, stand before Jesus as a lost uh, reprobate sinner, amen, uh, uh, amen. Uh, at the great white throne judgment, nobody to stand by your side uh, uh, or to intercede on your behalf. Amen. Don't you think that you're going to have some excuse, some low or lame excuse as to why uh, God has the right, 
the perfect right to throw your sinful carcass, uh, amen, uh, into the flames and fires of hell where you'll suffer forever as a condemned and damned sinner. You won't have an excuse. And if you even try to make an excuse, and if you even try to have the audacity to bring up some uh, uh, shallow reason as to why God would let your, let your uh, carcass be thrown into the flames and the fires of hell, you know what, God, He won't even have to, to, to show you the things you've did, the things you've done, the sinful acts you've committed. He won't even have to uh, let you listen to the to the wicked and evil and vile and perverse words that's, uh, that's, cut, that's been uttered out of your mouth uh, as a sinner in this life. He won't even have to show you the attitudes uh, that you've had, the sinful attitudes, but all He'll have to do is expose the thoughts and the meditations of your mind. And that will be enough evidence and that will be a, an ample reason, enough of a reason for God to be 100% right and totally and, and just to send your soul to hell and allow you to burn forever and eternity simply because of the thoughts that have entered into your mind. Friend, can I say to you in closing today that without Jesus, none of us stand a fighting chance of surviving and making it on the day of judgment. So we better come to Jesus and be saved before God sends us and throws us into hell if for no other reason because of the very thoughts that have entered into our mind as depraved, wicked, lost, good-for-nothing, wretched sinners that we are apart from Christ. And friend, if you're watching today or you're listening to this Bible study broadcast and you don't know what it, what it is to be saved, maybe the devil's convinced you down through the years, amen, that you don't really deserve to go to hell. You're good enough, amen, because you've done some good things and you've said some kind words and maybe you're... Uh, you're trusting in and depending upon your good deeds uh, to get you into heaven. That, you, that the devil's got you deceived into thinking that somehow you'll make it to heaven and you won't go to hell because you perceive yourself to be a good person. Friend, I want to remind you, just think about some of the thoughts you've had. Some of the perverted thoughts, the lustful thoughts, the hateful and the murderous thoughts the vile thoughts, the wicked thoughts, uh, amen, that, that are a reflection and an indica indication of the depraved and the vile, the vile sinner that you are. And that ought to be enough of a reason to cause you to fall on your knees and to call out to Jesus and, uh, and to repent over your sin and to ask Him to forgive you not, not just because of the things you've done, and the things you've said but the, the, and the attitude you, that you've had in life, but because of the very thoughts that you've had towards God and towards others. Amen. Get saved before it's too late. Call on Jesus. Ask Him to forgive you. Ask Him to save you. Turn from your sin, friend. Call on Christ. I promise you, if you come to Him just as you are, and you say, Lord, I know I've sinned against you. I know I don't deserve you. I'm unworthy of your love and your grace and your mercy. But Lord, would you save me? Would you forgive me? I promise you, friend, according to the authority of the Word of God. The Bible says He won't reject you. And the Bible says that anybody that comes to Him, He will in no wise cast you out. He won't turn you away. Amen. He won't uh, discriminate you. Amen. He won't favor one over you because of who they are.
because that, that, that He views them as more elite and more deserving of them. No, my friend, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And if you'll come to Jesus, Lord, friend, not on the, mer the merit of your goodness and your effort and your words, your deeds, your actions, and even your thoughts, but if you'll do so on the merit of God's amazing grace and His shed blood and His righteousness that He wants to impute and to bestow upon your life, He'll save you. He'll change your life. He'll transform you and you'll never be the same. And you'll spend eternity uh, in heaven with Him. Not because of who you are, but because of who he, is, who he is and what He's done for you. Amen. If you don't receive Him, if you don't reject Him, you'll be condemned not just because of your actions and not because of, of your words, but also because of your thoughts. Amen. That will condemn you and will damn you on judgment day. And will sentence you to eternity burning and frying in the flames and fire of a devil's hell. That's all today. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I love you. Thank you, Lord, for another trumpet series Bible study broadcast. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Lord, there may not be anybody but, but myself, Lord, in this auditorium today. But Lord, as I've done my best to declare and preach and teach, thus saith the Lord. Father, Lord, I felt the Holy Ghost show up in this place. Lord, I felt your holy favor, God, resting upon my words. Lord, as I've tried my best to tell sinners about a Savior. Lord, to remind us Christians of just how undeserving we really are and just how worthless our efforts are, God. And Lord, I pray that our thoughts would be thoughts that are pleasing to you. Would you purify our thoughts? Lord, would you let the meditation of our hearts, God, be... Lord, would you help us, Lord, to think on good things? God, not sin by way of our mind, uh, let alone out of our mouths, God, but that our actions, our attitudes, and, and our words, and our very thoughts would be found pleasing and acceptable in thy sight. Save some sinner today. God, would you give us fruit to our account, Lord? God, would you remind us, Father, that the, uh, Lord, the trumpet series Bible study is worth it all simply because of one Savior that might, might hear the Word of God as it's preached. Uh, Lord, declared out by way of Facebook, by way of YouTube, uh, by way of the, the, the podcast today. Lord, those who see it, those who watch it, those who listen to it, that somebody might be drawn to Yourself, fall under heaven-sent Holy Ghost conviction, might come to a saving knowledge of faith in Jesus Christ. Give their hearts to You. Spend eternity in heaven and not have to go to hell. Lord, use the Trumpet Series broadcast to save a sinner today is our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hope you have a good day and a wonderful weekend. Tune in next week. Share this broadcast. Tell somebody about Jesus and pray that the Lord's hand of favor, His grace, and His protection might continue to rest upon the Trumpet Series program. Amen and have a great day.